Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Six. And Father, we've been talking a lot about how to make ourselves open to God. It's kind of been the on and off theme we've been doing for about three months now. And, you know, we express this through relationships as that's ultimately what we're called to do is to, is to have a relationship in God and a desire to be closer to him. And what I wanted to discuss in this episode is something that I think is the biggest stain on our culture as Americans, which is this notion that people push out there and profit off of, which is typical to me because of how devastating this is to the people who receive it. But the message that says you are already in a disadvantage because of something you could not control something that you were either born with, born into, or just happened to be around. And I know firsthand that that destroys the people who accept that message because it's a, first off, it's a lie. But what I wanted to discuss with this message in the context of Father and Joe being in relationship with God, he doesn't care where you're coming from. You know, we look at this in a macro sense of history and or the current global position, we are the most spoiled, selfish people ever. Um, you know, we have more things at our disposal. We aren't going to freeze to death. Um, I'm talking about the average citizen, not necessarily the individuals. Um, just the average American compared to the average American 100 years ago, it's a radically different life just because of where we are today. Does that mean that we are less eligible to go to heaven because we are sitting in a situation where our material needs were easier because of the technology that was given to us. And that's the analogy that is being put out there by people who are trying to sell, you aren't as worthy. They're saying this in different ways, using things like technology gap or blank privilege or whatever. It's all the same notion that because you were born this way, you aren't as worthy or you should feel guilty because you were born this way. Both ways are equally devastating to people. And I want to talk about how, A, God is not that way. Because I truly believe that as people realize that it's a lie, they're going to need to know something to replace it. Because it, for some people, it becomes a vacuum of their life and it's going to need to be replaced by something. And in my experience, having the infinite of God trying to replace a finite vacuum always wins. So I want to start with that standpoint and allow you to go from there as, to me, like I said, this is the biggest stain on the American society right now. Um, I want to make sure I'm hearing the right thing and talking about the right thing. Or I'm going to launch off in a direction that's maybe not what you intended. Fair enough. Uh, uh, so I'm I'm thinking we're we're going back to the idea of commutative versus distributive justice, in the sense yeah. of, in, in a sense, but it, specifically uh, what I'm talking about is people who arbitrarily are saying you are better off or worse off because of the way you were created. Right. So people use this phrase "white privilege," things like mm -hmm. that. The yeah, um, yeah. You know, I was uh, I was inspired. By by Jordan Peterson, I attended his talk at Franciscan University a year ago, I guess, and and he, um, I think uh, Father Dave ended the two hours with him saying, 
Um, Jordan, uh, any word for us that you want to give us? Any word that God is giving you, you know, to give us? And uh, and he's, I really appreciated this too. He just stopped. He closed his eyes and he took what seemed like a long time in silence. I mean, he was really, uh, it appeared to me that he was really digging deep, really listening internally and uh, trying to pay attention. What's the, what's a word I can speak to this, you know, filled the Franciscan field house. I mean, it's a lot, a couple thousand people there who are a part of this Catholic university. And then lots of people like me who traveled in to uh, see him. And he said, he said, you Catholics need to stop apologizing for who you are. So something like that. Don't be afraid to be who you are. And then he gave a little discourse about uh, about privilege. And he said, you know, we we all have different kinds of privileges for different kinds of reasons. The being born in America or being born this way or that way. The the point is not to disavow the privileges that we have. The point is to use the privileges we have to serve those who do not, to build up society, to make a better world. The point is that we, we need to not apply our privileges to ourselves. We need to put them, invest them, uh, give them away, support others with them, uh, that kind of thing. And I thought, that's, that's, that's a great perspective. So we do have a real privilege as Catholics to uh, to be part of a uh, well most fundamentally to know God who is Father Son and Holy Spirit and have uh, confidence in his love in our lives his indwelling presence in our hearts the the grace to become saints and to grow even through our weakness into uh, a, a supernatural reality that he's created for us and then at the level of the church to be a member of the Catholic Church is to place one in a set of relationships, which you know can have a positive or a negative quality to it, we uh, the, the body of Christ uh, rejoices together and suffers together. And um, I I bear uh, shame and wounds from things I haven't done uh, because I'm a priest and other priests have committed sexual abuse, or because I'm uh, a Catholic and the Catholic Church has made uh, maybe uh, bad decisions. You know human beings in the Catholic Church have made bad decisions. Uh, uh, you know, Pope Francis gets uh, positive and negative press about different things. So anyway, we we end up bearing the weight of what our brothers and sisters have done in a negative way, but also, of course, in a positive way. I'm super connected because I'm in the Catholic Church. I know a lot of people. I, I can, uh, you know, from doctors to lawyers to businessmen to uh, to bishops and cardinals and priests. And, you know, anywhere I go, there are religious houses I can stay at. There are parishes that I can connect to. There's a super amount of connectedness. So we get both sides of it being part of the um, the social reality of the Catholic Church, for example. And But then what do I do with those privileges? Do I use those privileges just to make give myself a better life? Do I just pull strings and join the old boys club in order to get something out of it? Do I flash my collar to the policeman so that I won't get a ticket? Or, you know, what am I using the privilege for? That's the critical thing. Not, not do I have privilege. I, I would say most people have some form of privilege. The question is how we use it, how we, how we put that into the service of others, how we use that as, as capital to invest in building a better 
community, a better society, a better world. And that's the challenge for us. Yeah, and I, I guess maybe I need to clarify something in, in my own mind of how, how it's said, you know, using the term privilege and, and gifts, because, um, you know, you have a phenomenal ability to communicate, to relate very complicated situations and, and theorems and being able to teach them to people like me who have no degree in theology and barely are able to hold on to life. So that's an incredible gift. You weren't born with that. You've worked on that. You've obviously you've gained a lot of knowledge, you've written two amazing books that are like encyclopedias. <laughs> so to me, I understand the need, and this is, I believe, part of all of our calling to share our gifts with each other. You know, don't create a lamp and then hide it underneath a bucket. You know, that's very direct example. But that doesn't mean being born this way makes you have to feel this way or the other. You know, I, I, I where I was coming from was the notion that just because you were born this way means that you should have to feel guilty because you weren't born that way. And to me, that is really the, the problem. Um, I understand what you're saying. You know, we need to lean into these are our gifts and we should share them and we should try to grow our gifts better. So we have more that we can give, you know, if we have a barren tree, we're not gonna be able to give fruit from it. But if we learn how to grow one tree, plant, grow a second tree, plant it and so on and so forth. Now we have an entire orchard, and we can, you know, feed the masses. That's that's what we're called to do with our gifts. What I am trying to articulate that that's the disgusting part to me is people who say, just because you were born that way, you should have to be at your birthright, have to cut down half the forest, half the orchard, and whatever people do with it, they do with it. And to me, that's the the notion that I'm trying to directly articulate here. Um, because I know that it's not beneficial for anyone involved in the process. It's not beneficial for the person who was growing it and making it better, nor is it beneficial for the person who was just handed it and doesn't know how to, to work the orchard. Yeah, I think we're, we're saying the, the same thing. Um, I, I guess I, I didn't push quite as hard in the direction of, um, well, for example, say I, I have a, uh, you know, money or, or, or I have privilege, like, uh, like those connections, you know, I was talking just to make it personal and concrete. Uh, you know, I have connections in a lot of different places. Other people don't. And, uh, when I know somebody who doesn't have that, I love to provide it. I love to say, Oh, Hey, you're going to St. Louis. I know this person there who would be happy to, you know, pick you up from the airport or would be happy to, to house you while you're out there. And so I, I share my privilege with people who are less privileged. Now that requires me to pay attention to people who are less privileged. And that requires me to make the sacrifice. There's nothing requiring me to do that in the sense that uh, there isn't even social pressure. Like what, you know, somebody in St. Louis and you didn't tell that person, like <laughs> nobody would even say that. But, uh, but I need to internalize that. If I have gifts, they need to be shared with those who do not have those gifts. And that means I need to be aware of those who do not have those gifts. And so to, to press into, uh, I think I can say this without setting off any landmines and with, with uh, being fair to the- Oh, I already probably blew them up. 
no, no, uh, no, I think it's very fair already. The, uh, but, you know, to, to look at something like, uh, well, the privilege that I have being a white person in America, which is a real thing. Uh, and, and I think various things have sensitized us. And it's hard to imagine. That's, the, that's another dimension of it. It's hard to imagine not having that because it's, it's so uh, total in our experience. Uh, and so to be aware that I have, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of clout that I have because uh, of my skin color, which is something we want to, you know, probably, uh, well, I'm sure move away from. Uh, I'm told that in Brazil, for example, there are a bunch of different skin colors and there's absolutely no distinction. People just, it's, it's just out of, of people's consciousness. Um, so I think that's a, I think that's a goal, you know, that when I think we're, we're working towards that, but well, the, the thing is, in reality, in terms of actual doing work, it is here. Um, like we hire people based upon who's the best for the job or else your company goes out of business. It's the essence of capitalism, but it's trying to be forced in different ways because people don't like their current results. Well, if you're a bad no, but, employee, you don't stay as long. But the thing the thing is, uh, and this goes back to the, some of the discussions we had about trauma and people with weakness and mm -hmm. people who struggle – so I have um, part of the reason I'm successful is because I'm successful. So success breeds success. Because I'm mm -hmm. successful, I'm confident. And because I'm confident, I'm more successful. And I can walk into a room of people and be confident and successful. Now, somebody else might actually be more talented than I am, but because they haven't, because they're looked at with suspicion, because they're put down by their appearance, because they're discounted. Uh, before anybody even got to know them, they don't have the confidence that I have. And if I gave it to them, if I actually saw them as a person, if I gave them confidence that they have a gift to offer, and I helped to develop that, they could be far more successful than I am. And so that's the attitude. I think the, I think that's the the uh, I don't know the the best interpretation of the attitude around things like affirmative action is. Well, if we go into places where we have generally put people down and marginalized them and we gave them a chance and really worked on it, then we could find that we actually have something amazing. But it's going to take an initial investment. It's going to take a, a, an, an extension it's of white privilege. You know, It's going to take an extension of what I already have to share it with somebody who doesn't have it. And, and then we see what happens. Now, if the person is still not the best for the job or, or whatever. That's where the policies, I mean, you just can't do it with a policy merely. It mm -hmm. really requires the attitude to go with it. Of, And that's where I, I see things like tattoos on the heart. You know, I mean, Father Gregory Boyle in inner city LA and gangland, he saw more in those young men and women who were stuck in a gang culture and he believed in them and he developed it and he built it. He gave them preference over people who were already more successful and could have been more productive. He built a business around people who are not good employees at mm -hmm. the at their at their entrance in the door. But he made them great and he found places that they would thrive and he had to go out of his way to do that. It didn't just happen by, you know, take the best that's already out there and uh just discard the rest. Yeah, and what you're saying about confidence is is true. There's there's no way around that. But what I'm trying to get at here is there's not a single – there's only one determining factor that is the most concrete across the boards, and it's not race. 
you know, successful people can have successful, you know, kids, you know, no one ever brings up, you know, Asians in this or, or the Japanese descendants in this, um, arguably one of the best groups in the country in terms of everything you want, doesn't go to jail, stays married, has successful lives, everything you want. And they had internment camps in this country. Like that's all a fact. So putting a specific race to it, it's to me is the biggest problem with all of this is that if you are successful, you can breed success. And when we actually look at the math and the demographics of it, it has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with age. The most common indicator, will you be successful in terms of being employed, not going to jail, not living off the system is by the time you hit 18, were the two biological parents that made you still together? So in some cultures, that's marriage. Some cultures, that's just different things. But that's the answer. And I, I bring that up because we can't control whether or not, you know, our parents stay together when we're six years old. You know, we, we, we can't control any of this stuff. And just because you happen to be in a situation where it was there, obviously this plays into the whole trauma thing. There's a lot more trauma if you're in a situation going through divorce and chaos than not. And you can see how it directly overlays. But trying to push out an agenda that says, it's because you were born this color or that color, I find to be completely wrong. And that's so contrary to what, as you said in the beginning, the Catholic gifts that we have to teach people are. You know, God is going to give you love and grace regardless. It's what will you do with it and how will you accept it? And by what will you do with it, I mean, do you accept it or reject it? Um, because if, if you live this lifestyle, as you know, I try to articulate at least one capacity every life, or every episode, your life will get better. You know, you will become more receptive of being able to be open to build more connections, as you said. Because there are plenty of priests that I know that don't that that are same priest, same category. They don't interact. They become abba humbugs, and it's like, oh, I hope that one's not doing our mass this week because it's just going to be, eh. you know, he doesn't interact. He doesn't connect with the people. These are choices you made as Father Boniface Hicks that I want to be connected with people. I want to create empathy. I want to be able to help build people together to build each other up. And that's a personal choice you did. Um, so I want to point that out because at the end of the day, God is going to be with all of us. And do we choose to accept him and listen to him or do we reject him and want to say it's some outside external force is the reason I'm not in this situation that I wish I was in. So I want to give you the final final thoughts here as we have about three minutes in well, this episode. You know, I think it's it's both hand. I, I don't think, uh, and, I, and I appreciate that. It's nice to bring that out in conversation because I can push and you can push. And so we can see the, yeah. the value of the both hand. I mean, both things are, are involved there. Uh, and, you know, and, and we're also dealing with approximations. It's part of the problem with policies. So you say, mm -hmm. well, the, the highest determining factor is whether your parents are together. Well, that's true. So maybe we should have a policy that we hire people whose parents aren't together. And we should, we should have preference for those who suffered from parental divorce in growing up. You know, it's like, ultimately, the policies, that they're, all, they're approximations. Are there a large number of people in the African-American community who have suffered that kind of thing, whose parents aren't together, who grew up in poverty, who are looked down upon, who didn't have the educational opportunities? There are a lot of external factors that they didn't have a lot of choice around. 
And mm-hmm. if they had somebody that believed in them and built them up, like Father Gregory Boyle did with, I think that was more Hispanic probably, but uh, yeah, in any he event. He said it was about 80%. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's a, it's a mixture of things and we're using approximations and, and as you say, you know, skin color is not the, the greatest approximation, but it's something, you know, parental divorce, well, you're starting to get into people's personal details, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, that's, a, that's an approximation. Ultimately, we do it at an individual level, but we have to recognize that there, that it's a thing, you know, that some people grew up in situations where they have suffered. I'm sure people in some states, uh, Black, Hispanic, Asian, or whatever, um, have had no stigma and have not felt that at all. Other people in other states have felt that very strongly. Again, really, the best thing would be uh, to pay attention to the individual and the kind of circumstances that they grow up in. How can I use my privilege to remedy someone else's circumstances to help them make the decisions, like you said, the personal decisions that are necessary? Somebody else can't make those decisions for you. How do we? Uh, how do I use my privilege to help other people who are less privileged? to create an environment that they can make decisions that help them to thrive. You know, that's the kind of our, our goal. And, and the fact that people have to be forced into that through policies is already destined for failure to a certain degree. I mean, and that's why the church has always been a better promoter of social justice, commutative and distributive than any government policy. But the church doesn't, sometimes you need the leverage of a government policy. So anyway, I think there's a lot of imperfect things, but it's good for us to talk about some of the principles that that underlie them. Perfect. Well, we will be with you guys again here next week. Have a great week.